in us. Awake to God's nature that is within. Now, in Genesis chapter 1, if we go back to the beginning, um, after God had created everything, and then on the sixth day it says, Then God said, Let us, let us make man in our image, according to our likeness, and let them have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the air, and over the cattle, over all the earth, and over every creeping thing that creepeth on the earth. Let man have dominion. Let man have dominion over all the works of my hand. Let everything be subject unto him. God says, let us make man in our image. And so it goes on to say in verse 27, so God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him, male and female. He created them, and he blessed them. And God said, let them be fruitful, multiply, fill the earth, subdue it, and have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the air, and over every living thing that moveth on the earth. Let them have dominion over all the works of my hand. We see in Hebrews chapter 2, referring to that, it says in verse 6, What is man that you are mindful of him, or the son of man that you, you take care of him? You have made him a little lower than the angels. And that word is Elohim, a little lower than yourself. And you have crowned him with glory and honor. And you set him over the works of your hands. And you have put all things in subjection under his feet. So this is the design and the plan of God. This is what God did in the very beginning. This was what was in God's heart. And this was what was in God's heart. Let us make man in our image and let us give them dominion and authority. But then you see, in other words, God was saying, I want man to have my own nature, to have our nature, and to be in dominion and in authority over everything under me. I'm going to make them subject to him. But then there was a fall. And man fell from that place of glory. Man fell from that place of excellence. Man fell from that place of the very nature of God and all that was involved in his nature. The dominion, the authority, the wisdom, and, 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 and everything else. Man fell. Romans chapter 5 verse 12 says, By one man sin entered into the world and death by sin. Sin is the very nature of the devil. It's selfishness. It's self-seeking. It's self-centeredness. Sin is the very nature of the devil, and it produces separation from God. So Romans chapter 3, 23 says, All have sinned and come short of the glory of God. All have sinned and have been separated from God and have been separated from God's nature from the very glory and the very essence of the being of God. 
The glory of God is the excellency of God. Isaiah 35 and verse 2. It is the abundant goodness of God and the very essence of his being. The glory of God is the sum total. It is the sum total of all the divine attributes of God. Think of it, you know, um, you know when we, in school we learn that light, if you break up light through a prism, it becomes what they call Roy G. Babe, red, orange, yellow, green, um, blue, indigo, and violet. And together they make up what we, what we make up light. Well, God, the glory of God is the sum total. It is a composite of God, of all of the attributes of God, his righteousness, his holiness, his power, his love, his mercy, his great goodness, his kindness. It is the sum total of all of his perfections. The glory of God is God's nature. So when it says in Romans 3, verse 23, all have sinned and come short of the glory of God, it is saying that sin separates us from the very nature of God, from the very glory of God. Hebrews 2, verse 10 <coughs> says that Jesus came into the world, and he didn't come to the world and go to the cross just to get you and I saved. He didn't go to the cross just to give us a ticket to heaven. But when Jesus came and he died on the cross and he was resurrected, he died and he came to bring many sons to glory, to bring many sons back to the very nature and the very essence of the being of God. So what is, what is hap what's happening here? There is a, we are moving, we are moving. In other words, here we were. God designed us to be part of his divine nature. But then man fell. And when man fell, sin nature took, uh, took, took over. But then now Jesus went to the cross. What for? To restore us. To restore us to God's nature. We are talking about awaking to the reality that God's nature is within you. It's on the inside of you. Romans 6.23 says that the wages of sin is death. It's separation from God, separation from that nature. But the gift of God is what? It's eternal life. It is righteousness. It is oneness with God. The gift of God is eternal life. Eternal life is the nature of God. It is the very life and the nature of God. It is not merely life forever. Eternal life, everlasting life, is the nature of God. It is the life of God. It is the glory of God. Hallelujah. So this is the essence and the, the, the essence and the centrality of Christianity is in this fact and is in this truth that God himself lives on the inside of the believer. God himself lives on the inside of us. Colossians 1.27 says, Christ in you, the hope of glory. Galatians 1.15 and 16, Paul says that when God called me from my mother's womb, it was for this purpose. It was to reveal his son in me and that I might preach him that is revealed in me among the Gentiles. So the, the, the thing that, make, that, that makes Christianity what it is, distinct from any other religion, and Christianity is not a religion, it's a relationship. It is this fact that God is on the inside of us. Hallelujah. 
The scripture says that if any man does not have the spirit of Christ, if any man does not have the spirit of Christ in him and, and God dwelling in him, then he does not belong to God. In other words, the seal of belonging to God, the seal is the presence of God and God himself on the inside of us. That's Romans 8 verse 9. 2 Corinthians chapter 13 verse 5 says that, as, that we are to examine ourselves, judge ourselves. What for? To see, is Jesus Christ in you? Now, if there's someone listening right now and you ask yourself, is Jesus in me? Is God living inside of me? Is Jesus Christ in me? And if you're not sure about that, if you're wondering whether that is so, then you may not be born again. What should you do? Correct it. Correct it how? Call on the name of the Lord, the Bible says, and you shall be saved. Believe that God has been raised up, that Christ has been raised up from the dead. Confess him as Savior and Lord. Receive him into your life, and you become born again. As many as receive him, God says he gives them the power to become the sons of God. But what makes Christianity Christianity is God living on the inside of us. It is out of that reality that we have verses of scripture that says greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. God lives on the inside of us. And the God that is on the inside of us, he is in us as who he is with all that he is. So his very nature is on the inside of you and I. And we must awake and have that conscious awareness that I am a partaker of his divine nature. His nature is on the inside of me. 1 John 3, 8 says, he that commits sin, which is the nature of the enemy, is of the devil. Because the devil sinned from the beginning. And for this purpose, for this purpose, to deal with that sin nature, to deal with that which the enemy brought into the human race. For this purpose, the Son of God was manifested what for? That he might destroy the works of the devil. For this purpose, the Son of God was manifested. What for? That he might destroy, that he might loosen, that he might dissolve, that he might undo the works that the devil has done. That he might undo that which the devil did. And the, 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 the main thing the enemy did was bringing that sin nature. And with that came death. With that came the curse. With that came all of the misery that there is on the human race. But Jesus went to the cross. And what happened? He overcame that. He dissolved that. By his sacrifice, he broke that power off of the human race. Why? So that we could be restored to God, restored to his glory, restored to his divine nature, and have his nature on the inside of us. John 3.16, a scripture that is very popular that we all know. God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. What is that about? Jesus came into the world. He died on the cross. Why? So that you and I might have what? everlasting life. What's everlasting life? It is the life and the nature of God. That's why he came. That's why he died. That we might have, that they that believe in him can have his nature. Everlasting life. This life exchange that has taken place in the believer's life, 
This life exchange, the exchange of instead of that sin nature, now you have the nature of God. This is what that's, you know, we hear, we hear the scripture, we hear the word reconciliation. That's what reconciliation is. It is setting at one again. Amen? It's bringing into harmony. It's removing the walls and the divisions and that which was the cause of separation. It's removing that and causing that oneness to take place. So that the vine and the branch become one and the branch is not off somewhere, but it abides in the vine. And the life that is in the vine is also in the branch. Hallelujah. Colossians chapter 1 verse 20 um, says, And by him, let me read verse 19, For it pleased the Father that in Christ... All the fullness should dwell, and by him to reconcile all things to himself. To reconcile all things to himself. Whether it be things on earth or things in heaven, having made peace. That's what that's reconciliation does. It makes peace. Hallelujah. Having made peace, how? Through the blood of his cross. So having made peace through the blood of his cross, by him to do what? Reconcile everything to himself. To set at one again. Set at one again. Set at one again. Just as if sin has never been. Justified by the blood. Justified through the sacrifice. Just as if the sin had never been. Well, what is it like before sin has never been? You got to go before the fall. You got to go. You got to go before the foundation of the world. You got to go before let there be light. So you see this sacrifice of Christ and what he has done has reconciled everything and set it at one again to God's original intent. And brought us into a oneness with God. We call it the righteousness of God in Christ. Bring us into that oneness. So that there's an exchange. And there is no longer the sin nature. That has ended in crucifixion. And now the life that we have. It is the life of Christ. And it is the nature of God. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Hallelujah. Jesus took our life. And it's sin nature. In his death. Why? So that we can have his life. Through his resurrection. Colossians 1, let's continue in verse 21. It says, and you who once were alienated and enemies in your mind by wicked works, yet now he has reconciled. How? In the body of his flesh. Through death. To present you holy and blameless and above reproach. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Yet now, he has reconciled in the body of his flesh. He has reconciled and make us one again with the Father. He has reconciled, having broken down the walls of partition, he himself being our peace. He has reconciled through the body of his flesh. That is the reason why Hebrews 10 verse 20, when it says how that we enter into the holiest through the, boldly through the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. And then it goes on to say through the, through the veil of his flesh that was torn 
And it says, this is the new and living way that he has consecrated for us. Why does it speak about the veil of that flesh, the veil that was torn, that is talking about this body, this flesh of Jesus that was ripped, this flesh that hung upon that cross. It is talking about the fact that in the body of his, the flesh of his death, he has reconciled us. Hallelujah. Glory to God. And by his resurrection, what happened? We now have a new life. It is the life of Christ. First Peter chapter 1, verse, verse, verse 3 says, How God, God, by his great abundant mercy, he has begotten us again. He has gotten us born again to a new and a living hope by the resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ. What is this new and living hope? Christ himself is the hope, him and his life. The reality of the life of Christ in us, oh, that is hope. The reality of the life of Christ in us is the confident expectation that, uh, of the glory of God, the life of Christ in you. I mean, recognizing the life, the nature of Christ. Everything bows to the nature of Christ. Everything, whether they be in heaven or earth, all things were created by him, by that nature, by him, by that person. And he is the one that is inside of you. That's the nature that is inside of you. Everything, whether they be in heaven, whether they be in earth, whether they be principalities, whether they be in powers, by him all things consist. Hallelujah. And without him, without that nature, there was nothing made that was made. Therefore, the word of the Lord has gone out into all of the universe, to all of creation, declaring, this word has gone out of my mouth in righteousness, it says, that unto me every knee shall bow of things in heaven, of things in earth. Every knee shall bow everywhere. To what? To that very nature. And that's the nature that is in the inside of us. That is why the word of God would say, Greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. That is why it would say that we have got this treasure in earthen vessels, that the excellency of the power may be of God and not of us. What am, why am I saying this? I am saying this so that we can awake to the reality that this nature of God is on the inside of you. That we might awake to that and we would not see ourselves as grasshoppers. We would not see ourselves as mere men. But we would see ourselves for who we are. We are the sons of the living God. We are the temple of God. We are God's sharp threshing instrument having teeth. You are the battle axe of God. You are his workmanship. You are the product of that perfect sacrifice of Christ. You are God's masterpiece. Hallelujah. I mean the reality and the revelation of the nature of God being on the inside of us and Christ himself being our identity destroys every yoke and every sense of inferiority. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Say, I've got the nature of God in me. Hallelujah. So, this is why Jesus said concerning himself, you see, he took that sin nature, and he exchanged it for us, and he gave us his nature. In John 3, 14, this is what Jesus said concerning himself. He says, as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, so must the Son of Man be lifted up. In Psalms 
22, I think it says, I'm a worm and no man. How could Jesus make this type of association? That he is lifted up like the serpent when we know the serpent is symbolic of the devil. How can, we, how can he make that association from Psalms 22? I'm like a worm and no man. How could a holy son of God make that type of identification? Because on that cross, he was lifted up as the serpent. He took on that very nature, that very sin nature, but he defeated it. Hallelujah. That is why it says in John chapter 12, verse 32, he says, if I be lifted up from the earth, I will draw. I don't know, the people read it as, I will draw all men unto me. But if you read it closely, it says, I will draw all judgment that comes against mankind. I will draw all of that judgment that is against mankind to myself, upon myself. I'm going to take that judgment. I am the propitiation. I am the atoning sacrifice. I am here to pay the price. God says, I will watch the travail of his soul and be satisfied. I am here to receive the wrath of God and all of the, the punishment because of breaking the law of God. He says, I am here, the chastisement of your peace. Everything that is needful for you to have peace, it is upon me. I am here to pay the price totally and completely. Well, the price has been fully paid. So that what? We are free to go. The Son has set us free, and we are free indeed. We can stand fast in this liberty whereby he has made us free. So Jesus took that sin nature, and he defeated it in his flesh through death. Through death. Romans 6 verse 6 says, Know this, that the old man is crucified. The old man, that old sin nature was crucified and buried with Christ. Why? So that the body of sin might be destroyed. So that henceforth you do not serve sin. In other words, is that God says, look here. This body here, the, the reason why this body and, and flesh wants to do all that sin stuff. Why? Because of the nature, the engine that was driving it on the inside called sin nature. So God says, here's what I'm going to do. In this new birth. I'm going to crucify that old man. I'm going to crucify that sin nature. And I'm going to take that engine. I'm going to take that engine of the sin nature. And I'm going to rip it out of you. And bury it with, my, with Christ. So that now you don't have that engine driving the flesh. So the body of sin might become paralyzed and destroyed. And no longer serve sin. But become a living sacrifice to serve the living God. But we got to know these things. Hallelujah. So now, you now have God's nature. You now have God's nature. Second Corinthians 5.21 says, He was made to be sin for you, for me, for us. Why? So that we might be made the righteousness of God in Christ. He didn't commit sin. He was made sin. We didn't commit righteousness, but we are made the righteousness of God in Christ. The righteousness of God is part of that nature of God. You saw you are made that nature of God. So the scripture says, awake to righteousness and sin not. 1 Corinthians 15, 34. What is it saying? It is saying, awake to that nature of God that is inside of you and don't live in a place of separation from him. 
but recognize the reality of this oneness that you have with God in Christ. Let that be a reality to you. Let that be a state of consciousness. Let that be the way you think. Let that permeate your thinking. Your old sin nature ended in the death of the body of Christ. It ended. It is finished. It is no longer to have any rule. It was crucified and buried. So now your new life and God's nature began in resurrection. It began in resurrection. You are born again to a living hope. You are born again to a living hope. First Peter 1 verse 3. That's when this new nature, that is where the new you, that's where it originated. That's where it started. That is why the scripture says in 2 Corinthians 5 verse 17 and 18. Behold, old things, you are a new creation. New Old things have passed away. History and all of that is gone. All of that old nature and everything attached to him has passed away. It's been dead and buried. And now all things have become new. And all things are of God. Amen? You, this new life originates in resurrection. In your born again spirit. The scripture says in Ephesians 4.24, put on the new man, the new man, which after God is created in righteousness and true holiness. Which after God is created in the righteousness of God and the holiness of God. No wonder in his presence, the scripture says in Colossians 1.22, that in his sight you are holy. You are without blame. You are without fault. You know, I, I, it, was sev it was several decades ago, and I don't want to sound that old, but I guess I am what I am. <laughs> but I remember, I would never forget when the Lord showed me and spoke to me and said regarding righteousness, that you are right even as God is right. You are right even as God is right. And it has been decades, and I'm only, f at first I couldn't say it, and I didn't, I mean, but as time has gone by, and, and even now I am, I am still beginning to see how, first of all, I mean, this is a kind of a silly statement to make, how much, I'm beginning to see how much God really meant that, <laughs> right? And that we are right even as God is right because he has given us his righteousness. He's given us his holiness. He's given us his mind. The mind of Christ. He has even given us his will. He's given us his wisdom. This new man. Created in righteousness. And true holiness. Your born again spirit. Perfected forever. Hebrews 10 verse 14 says. By one offering. By that one sacrifice, he has perfected forever them that are sanctified. Perfected forever them that are set apart to him. Perfected forever them that he have called, chosen, sprinkled by his blood, separated by his spirit unto himself. He has perfected them forever. And then again it says in Hebrews 12 verse 23, the spirit of just men made 
perfect. But I thought the only one perfect is God. Yes, the only one perfect is God. But you are perfect in his perfection. The only one perfect is God, but your born-again spirit has the very nature of God. That's why your born-again spirit is perfected forever. Amen? But so we are to awake to the truth. The truth is not what it looks like. The truth is not what it feels like. The truth is not what the environment or the doctor or the banker. The truth is not what you see on the horizontal level. The truth is how it is in God. The truth is what is settled in heaven. The truth is the word of God. The truth is Christ himself, who he is right now, and what he has finished, and what he is doing, and what he is saying. This is the truth. God's divine nature is on the inside of you and I. And we must awake to that reality that we are partakers of his divine nature. And we must not speak contrary to it. We must endeavor to speak, to think, to believe, and to act in accordance to the truth that I am a partaker of his divine nature. When the reality of that begins to take a hold of us, or take a hold of us, we will automatically step in to the fate of Christ. The scripture says you've been crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, you live, but it is not you that live. It is Christ that liveth in you. And the life that you now live, how do you live it? You live it by the fate of the Son of God. So to live that life, that is the life of Christ, where the old life is dead and gone, and it is now the life of Christ, it is by the faith of the Son of God. It is by Jesus' faith that you live this. That means you got to think and believe just like he does. Talk like he does. That means when we embrace the reality that this is who I am, this is how I am, this is the nature that I have. It's God living on the inside of me and all that he is, is in me. And I have access. It will change your thinking. It will change your speaking. It will change your attitudes and the faith, and you will just be stepping in to the faith of Christ. Where it's no longer about you, because after all, you're crucified and dead. It's no longer about your dreams. It is no longer about your will. It becomes his will. It becomes his dream. It becomes his vision. It becomes his desire. Okay, he wants a son. Okay, but then I'm a father of many nations. Are you with me? As he is, so are we in this world. The scripture says in 1 John 3, 2, Now, not later, now are you the sons of God. This is who you are. You are God's offspring, and as his son, you have his nature. Now are we the sons of God, even though it does not appear what we shall be, even though it doesn't look that way on the outside, but oh, when we see what it is on the inside, we see his divine nature. We see God living on the inside of us. We recognize that I am the temple of the living God. He lives in me. He walks in me. We are one. I am adopted. His spirit is on the inside of me, crying out, Abba, Father. Hallelujah. Awake to this reality. God lives on the inside of us. 
But you've got to make this identification. You absolutely must make this identification. It says, herein is the love of God made perfect and perfectly demonstrated so that you may have boldness in the day of judgment, so that you might have boldness any day, any time, any situation. Why? Because as Jesus is right now in his resurrection, in his ascension, as Jesus is, so are you in this world. We've got to make that identification. You've got to make the identification. I'm crucified with Christ. It's no longer me here, but it's Christ that liveth in me. And the life that I now live is the life of Christ. Oh, I'm just a carrier. The life I now live is the life of Christ, and I live it by the faith of the Son of God. Now listen to verse 21. I do not frustrate the grace of God, because if this righteousness came by the law, or by my works, Jesus died in vain. It says then in verse 21, I am not going to frustrate the grace of God because this oneness, where it's no longer me, but it's the life of Christ, this didn't come based on my works. This didn't come based on my law keeping. This didn't come based on my doing and my own goodness. It came because Jesus was crucified. And if I, 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 but I must not frustrate the grace. In other words, here is the grace of God. The grace is coming towards you. The grace is coming. What is the grace there for? The grace is there to cause fulfillment. And the grace is trying to get through to you, to trying, to, trying to produce in your life the reality that it's no longer you, but it is the life of Christ. But if you don't believe that, then you frustrate the grace. The grace is trying. The grace is trying to bring you into this reality that you are dead, but it is now the life of Christ. The grace is working. The grace is, the grace is faithful. The grace is committed, but you're frustrating the grace. The grace comes here, but you're over there. The signal is here, but you're somewhere else. So it says, awake, 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 awake to this reality that it's no longer you, but it's Christ that lives in you. Make that identification so that the grace of God might not be frustrated. And the grace of God that has purchased this awesome salvation that we would not come short of it because of unbelief. Hallelujah. We got to make this identification. Second Corinthians chapter 4 verse 10 says, uh, uh, no matter what's going on, shipwreck or whatever else, family issues, this issue, that issue, well, no matter what's going on, I always bear about in my body the dying of the Lord Jesus so that this life of Christ might show up. So that this nature might show up. So what do you do in the storms? What do you do in the tests and trials? What do you do in the midst of the conflicts and the contradictions? Oh, you just maintain that identification that this is who I am. And this, this, is, this is who I am. I'm crucified with him. I identify with his death. The old man was buried with him. Now I have the life of Christ. I'm resurrected with him to a living hope. I am seated with him. I am functioning out of that place where I am, seated at the Father's right hand, where everything is underneath my feet. Oh, this is my reality. I, this is what I accept. No matter what's going on, that the life of Christ is now my life. The blood has washed me and it has cleansed me so that the voice of condemnation and insecurity and guilt and shame. Oh, they are silent to me. They do not speak. 
they are a strange voice. And I do not follow the voice of strangers. I might hear them, but I don't follow them. I only listen to the voice of the shepherd, my master. And his word, he is in me. And he is speaking and declaring his word. He is declaring what is written. He is declaring and he is giving me divine utterance so that I know what to speak when I am accused. So that I am justified. Why? Because I speak from him. I speak from his life, his ascended life, his life in, as, in ascension, because that's where I am. I am dead. I'm crucified with him, and my life is hidden with Christ in God. Hallelujah. You must make this identification. Christ in you, the hope of glory. The mystery which had been hidden from ages and from generations, but now it is made manifest to the saints. And it didn't say, and now it is made manifest to the sinners saved by grace. It says now it is made manifest to the saints. What is the riches of the glory of this mystery among the Gentiles, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory? Now, why is it that you have to have this, why you must make this identification and you got to make it strong? Because if you don't, you will live under a cloud of sin consciousness. Having the life of God in you, but you live as if you're separated. You will live as a stranger of the promise. You will live underneath this cloud of sin consciousness. I am just a sinner saved by grace. You know, like an AA, Alcoholic Anonymous, and I'm not knocking them. You know, I mean, they are serving a good purpose. I mean, I'm not knocking doctors. I'm not knocking medical science. They keep us alive sometimes. Amen? So that, that's fine. God just happened to have a better way, which is the power of resurrection and the power of his spirit. Well, our AAA, they also serve a good purpose. So I'm not knocking them, but God has got a better way. But you see, the thing about it, you know, I am just a sinner saved by grace. I am, a, I, I am an alcoholic. I am an alcoholic. I am, and and I, what, what, what's wrong with that? Because instead of speaking who you are, you are identifying with the bondage, with the history, instead of identifying with I am. Who I am says I am. I am does not say you are just a sinner saved by grace. Read all the epistles to the saints at Ephesus, to the saints at Colossus, to the saints at Thessalonica, to the saints at Ephesians, to the saints in Hamilton, to the saints in Toronto, to the saints in Uganda, to the saints, the separated ones. The epistles address you and I as sanctified, the righteousness of God in Christ, saints, the called and the chosen by God, his workmanship, his masterpiece, God's offspring. Hallelujah. I am a joint heir with Christ, and I'm an heir of God. He is not ashamed to call me brethren. I am a king, and I'm a priest unto God. I am God's holy temple. This is his tabernacle. He lives here. I am not who I used to be. 
I am no longer, I am not who, you, who I used to be, a drunkard or a cheat or a sinner. I have been washed by the blood of Christ. Such were some of us, but we've been washed, we've been cleansed by the blood of Christ. We've been sanctified and set apart by the Spirit of God. I now have the Spirit of God that is on the inside of me that says, Daddy, Daddy, Abba, Father. We've got to make that identification or else what? Without embracing the truth of your new identity and your new nature, you will perpetuate that sin consciousness. And Jesus was sacrificed to put an end to that sin consciousness. That's why he was sacrificed. That's why he was sacrificed. Read Hebrews chapter 10 verse 1 and 2. Read 2 Peter chapter 1 verse 9. So that your thinking and your speaking and your attitudes, when you don't have this revelation, and I mean, this might sound gross, but I want you to capture it. Hmm. Oh. <laughs> I don't know. I, I, for those of you who've had babies, you know, and had diapers and stuff like that, remember that? And I mean, there are times when, yeah, you know, did you do a poo-poo? And you recognize, wait a minute, I think this, I think this child has done a number two, three, whatever it is. And I think this child, I think his diaper, I think he did, I think, I think he had, I think he released something there. I think he has a poo. How do you know? And you go, yeah, yes, he did. <laughs> when we do not awake to the reality of who we are and that new nature, what will happen is when we don't recognize that, our thinking, our speaking, our attitudes will smell. It will smell of guilt, it will smell of condemnation, it will smell of shame, it will smell of insecurity, it will smell of fear, it will smell of ins insufficiency, it will smell of weakness. When the word of God says, let the weak say that I'm strong. When the word of God says, I am your sufficiency. When the word of God says, there is no longer any condemnation. When the word of God says, by the blood of the Lord Jesus, you have been acquitted, free from guilt and shame. But what happened? Yet these things are smelling. Why? Because of not awaking to what? The reality of this new nature that is inside of you. Amen? Hallelujah. Oh, Rebecca Sikatemengandaya. Let me read this passage of scripture here, Ephesians chapter 2. Glory to God. Read it from verse 11. Therefore, remember you, remember that you, once Gentiles in the flesh... Once we're without God, you who are called uncircumcision by what is called the circumcision, made in the flesh by hands, and at that time, before you were born again, you were without Christ. You were an alien to the commonwealth of Israel. You were strangers to the covenant of promise, having no hope and without God in the world. Well, each of those are reversed. Amen. You are not without Christ, you are with Christ. You are not an alien to the common wealth that is available. You are not a stranger, but you have been enjoined to the covenants of promise. You are not without hope, but you have hope. You have a living hope. Christ himself is your hope. All that God has dreamed and desired and spoken about you, all of that is yours, it's reserved for you. And you are certainly not without God in the world. 
But now in Christ Jesus, you who were once far off, you've been brought near by the blood of Christ. You've been brought into living contact because he himself, Christ himself, he is your peace. He has made both one. He has broken down the wall of separation. Anything that was, a sep that was a cause of separation, anything that was separating you from him, Jesus dealt a dead blow to it in his death. Hallelujah. Having abolished in his flesh the enmity, that is the law of commandments, you are even dead to the law and its demands by the body of Christ. Galatians 2.19, Romans 7.4. Having abolished in his flesh the enmity, that is the law of commandments contained in ordinances, so as to create in himself one, one, one new man from the two, thus making peace. He that is joined to the Lord is one spirit. One, 1 Corinthians 6, 17. Jesus says, I and the Father are one. And he said, Father, I pray that they would be one, just as you and I are one. I and them and them and me, I and you, you and me, that they will be one in us. I am the vine, they are the branches. He that abided me and I in him, they will be one. One, one, say one. Say I have his nature. So having abolished in his flesh the enmity that is the law of commandments contained in ordinances, so as to create himself one new man from the two, making peace, reconciling everything, and that he might reconcile them both to God in one body through the cross, thereby putting to death the enmity, putting to death by his death. Isn't that, isn't that, isn't that something? We have life. I mean, you got to die in order to live. Life through death. <laughs> and he came. No, he did it. Say he did it. Now, guess what? And now verse 17. And he came and he preached peace to you. In other words, he came and he says, guess what? I did it. Guess what? It's done. Guess what? The walls of the vision, they've come down. Get a hold of this. Because when you know it is finished and when you know it is done, you can call on it. What do you mean calling it? You call those things that be not the way they are up there. You see, these things are finished in God, but the way you get it manifested here is that you call it. You call it. You call your healing. How do you do that? You call what don't exist here as it exists here. I'm healed by his strength. He bore my sickness. He carried my, 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 my infirmities. These conflicts, these divisions in the family members, this strife, these issues. Hey, Jesus, you finished it. You broke down those walls. You brought about a reconciliation. It's done. So I call it in Jesus' name. And I command those divisions, those strife, those conflicts that are keeping people apart. I command them down in Jesus' name because he finished it. And he came and he preached peace to you who are afar off. And to those who were near. For through him we both have access by one spirit to the Father. And now, now, say now. Now therefore, you are no longer strangers and foreigners. But we are fellow citizens with the saints. Now, we are citizenship in heaven. We've got citizenship in heaven. And we got a brand new constitution 
the Bible. Amen? Hallelujah. So, here is your new life. Here is your new life. Here is your new nature. Your new life and your new way of thinking and speaking and believing and acting, it is found in the place of ascension. It is found where you are seated in Christ. It is found, it is found where Christ is your life. Colossians 3, reading from verse 1 says, If you then be risen with Christ, seek those things which are above, where Christ is, where he is sitting at the right hand of God, and you are seated in him. Set your mind and your thinking on the things that are above, not on the things that are on the earth. Because you are dead, and your life is hidden with Christ in God. And if you keep it there, the devil can't find you. <laughs> Amen. It's only when you come out. Your life is hid with Christ in God. Now when Christ, who is our life, appears. Christ, who is our life. Christ, who is our life. When he is unveiled, when he appears, then you shall also appear with him in glory. So now your life is in Christ. Christ is your life. Your new life, this, your, your new nature is in this place of ascension. It is in a place called rest. God's rest, remember? There remains a place of rest for the children of God and the people of God. Your rest is no longer the Sabbath. Your, your rest is no longer some, in some particular day of the week. But Christ himself, he is your rest. He is your Sabbath. Seven days a week, 24 hours a day, he is your Sabbath. He says, come on to me, all you that labor and are heavily laden. All you who are trusting the works of the flesh and, and are trusting the works and the, and the goodness of your hands and your, your good deeds and, and these rules and regulations, come on to me and stop your laboring. I'll give you rest. Take my yoke upon me, upon you. Learn of me. Learn from me. My yoke is easy. My burden is light. Be yoked together with me, and you're going to find rest for your souls because I am your rest. I am your Sabbath. All the other stuff was only about a shadow. All the Old Testament Sabbath stuff and all of that being a day, that was a shadow. But I'll tell you what. You don't want to just, you don't want to hug the shadow. Not if you got the real substance. Hello? Amen. Where do we live? We are in him. This is the new and living way. We are in his body. The peace of God rules your heart and mind. This is the place. This is where this peace is. This is where this nature is. This, it is where you are. It's where you live. This is your new life. You are in an intimate fellowship and communion with God Almighty, your Father. You are in communion and fellowship and intimacy with him through the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. The blood, the scripture says in Hebrews 9 verse 14, that has purged your conscience from every dead work and make you alive to God. Hallelujah. The blood of the everlasting covenant. The blood that has joined you to God. The blood that equips you for every good work. You are now a partaker of God's divine nature. 2 Peter 1 verse 4 says, God has given us exceeding great and precious promises that by these we might partake 
of his divine nature and escape the corruption that is in the world. That by these promises, we can identify what the specific divine nature and take that part. And in nothing are we terrified. In nothing are you terrified by the devil. Why? You are in a place of ascension. You are his master. You are above him. Principalities and powers are below you. He has given you power to tread upon serpents and scorpions and over all of the power and nothing, and over all the power of the enemy and nothing shall by any means hurt you. You are in a place of rest because of this fellowship with God. You are in this place of rest because of your position. Your position at the Father's right hand. The same power, the same spirit that raised up Christ from the dead. Oh, what is the exceeding greatness of his power to them that believe. That power that is according to the working of his power, whereby, whereby he demonstrated when he raised up Christ from the dead and he raised you up together with him and made him and made you to sit together with him at the Father's right hand in heavenly places. Far above principalities, powers, my dominion, and every name that is named, and give him to be head. Head over all things to the church, which is his body, the fullness of him, that fill it all in all. You are above only. The enemy is below you. You are his master. He is not to dictate to you. So, you are here at the Father's right hand. The Lord is at my right hand. I shall not be moved. You are dead to the voice of the world. You are dead to the voice of the flesh. You are dead to the voice of the devil. How? You are dead to the body of Christ. Hallelujah. The world has been crucified to you and you to the world, Galatians 6.14. You are free indeed. The Son has set you free. And you are free indeed. So stand fast in that liberty whereby Christ has made you free. And don't get entangled with any kind of yoke of bondage. Any kind of fears whatsoever. All that God is and all that God has is accessible to you through the blood of the everlasting covenant. This blood has joined you to God. So God is like your covenant partner. And everything that he has, you've got access to. That is why he is your light. He is your salvation. He is your wisdom. He is your righteousness. He is your deliverer. He is the lifter up of your head. He is your healer. He is your provider. Because all that he is, by the essence of his nature and his name, all that he is, he is to you and he is for you. So if God be for you, who can be against you? But we must identify with that. And all that he is, he is in you. All that he is, is he is in you. In you, he is healer. In you, he is deliverer. In he, you, he is provider. And that is why the promises are given unto you so that you can take that part of the divine nature. God's nature is in you. Say, God's nature is in me. Say it again. Now, we're going to stop here for today, but we're going to continue. And when we continue, what we will see, we will see that God's nature the, 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 the little parts, the, 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 the nature of love is in you. We will see that his power and his authority is in you. His nature of wisdom and righteousness and holiness and mercy and truth, it is all in you. We have this treasure in earthen vessels. You know, the scripture says that you are blessed with what? Every spiritual blessing in heavenly places in Christ. That means you are blessed with every spiritual 
blessing. Every virtue, every virtue that there is in Christ, you are blessed with it. Second Peter chapter 1, verse 3 says, According as he has given unto us all things that pertain unto life and godliness. That we, all things that pertain unto life and godliness through the knowledge of him that have called you to what? Glory and virtue. The very nature and the essence and the fullness of God. We are partakers of his divine nature. Now, in order to get this divine nature flowing, we need this nature flowing. What do you do? The number one thing is that we've got to acknowledge. Acknowledge you have that nature. It is the power of acknowledgement that releases it. The scripture says, in all your ways, acknowledge. Acknowledge him, acknowledge the nature, and he will be the direct your path. The acknowledging causes it light to shine upon your pathways. Acknowledge that you have God's nature. Philemon 6 says that, he, that your faith becomes effective and it will work when you acknowledge every good thing that is in you in Christ. In other words, when you acknowledge that nature of God that is in you, you will not frustrate the grace, but the grace will cause it to be made manifest. Acknowledge that you've got the nature of God. It says that the acknowledgement of the truth is what produces godliness. When you acknowledge the truth, then you will have the God kind of life manifested. When you acknowledge the nature, then what happened? Here it will come. Here comes the nature being manifested. Say it out loud. Declare it and declare it often. Because this is how it works. This is how it works. The scripture says, God says, I will manifest my word through preaching. In other words, God says, I'm going to manifest my word when I hear it being proclaimed. I'm going to manifest it and bring fulfillment to it. When I hear you speak in it, this is how it works. It exists in God, but we call it. God has chosen it this way. It says in 1 Corinthians 1 verse 27, God has chosen the foolish things of the world to put to shame the wise. And he's chosen the weak things of the world to put to shame the things that are mighty. He's chosen the base things of the world and the things which are despised, God has chosen. And listen to this, and God has chosen the things that are not, that don't exist, to bring to nothing the things that do exist. 